Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome everyone to Millionaire Secrets. Jeff Lerner, your host, always thrilled to be back with you for another exciting episode, talking to amazing entrepreneurs, world changers, earth shakers, and other nouns. Today, Dancers. we are, what'd you say? Dancers, entrepreneurs that oh, dance. Yeah, right? now if you're on the podcast, audio only, you are missing some sick moves. Yes. Uh, courtesy of our guest today, whose name is Clinton Sparks. And we only have about 45 minutes. Oh, I gave you, I gave you a round of, I bring my own audience. All right. That is, that is impressive. A hundred, <laughs> almost 150 episodes. That's never happened. So, right. Well, um, I guess when you, when you build an audience and a fan base, they roll with you and they applaud when your name gets spoken. That's true. Yes. And when you have a, an award-winning uh, record producer, songwriter, audio wizard on your show, you get uh, his whole bag of tricks with it. I love it. Uh, but in seriousness, if I were to uh, take the time to read Clinton's full resume of, of accomplishments and uh, things that he's done, um, we'd use up way too much of the 45 minutes. But um, he really has a, a pretty amazing pedigree. I'll just say uh, entrepreneur, investor, author, uh, Grammy-nominated DJ, producer, songwriter, He's, you know, written and produced songs for pretty much a who's who in, in, you know, I guess you would call it pop and hip hop, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Rick Ross, Diddy, Pitbull, Ludacris, Akon. It's like, it's a really long list. Um, right. And uh, we're grateful and honored that he's on our show today. Welcome, Clinton. Thank you very much. I'll, the crowd wants to say, show their enthusiasm as well. Before we get, before we move forward, right? I, I say I got plaques. As you can see, if you're watching and if you're listening and not watching, there's a bunch of plaques behind me of mm -hmm. some of the things that Jeff just brought, talked about. But I'm curious, what are the plaques behind you, Jeff? Uh, well, thank you for asking. Yes. And, and I do feel kind of like your plaques can beat up my plaques. They are, yours are, are both uh, plentiful and impressive. Um, so I have two plaques. The ones, these two um, yep. are what are called eight figure awards. Right. Um, that are given by a company called ClickFunnels, which is a software platform you may know of. And basically, yep. uh, if you use their software to build any online sales funnel that generates over $10 million in sales, you can get an award. Um, and I've, that, those are for specific funnels, not, not for the totality of a business. So I've had two um, that I, I got those awards for. And then I have down there, and I have another one up there just out of frame that are Inc. 5000 awards. Um, right. My agency was twice uh, on the Inc. 5000. So... That's incredible. So I, one, I want to commend you for those awards and those accomplishments. Thank you. Thank you. And then two, see the audience is psyched about you now too. <laughs> and then secondly, you know, I know we're going to talk about my, my book, how to win big in the music business during the course of this. But one of the things that I teach is about what can you add to somebody else? And just to show, uh, to illustrate what I mean, as we further into this conversation, the fact that I started this conversation off with highlighting you. Yeah not only gave you a point to now showcase things that would not make you seem conceited and go out of your way to brag about yourself, but it, I allowed you to have a platform because you'd be an idiot not to answer me and you had to answer me. Right. So it showcased what you do, thus making you more friendly and excited to talk to me because I just bigged you up. So I just want to show in real life, somebody yeah. that may, when we talk about my book, that is how you open up the door, break the ice. That is how you get somebody who wants, you're trying to get something from to do something from you. And I don't mean it sounds malicious or, 
uh, you know, negative when you say that, like manipulate, manipulating a situation or doing something for somebody to get what you want out of it. And it's mm-hmm. not. And I think that people shouldn't look at it that way because I actually genuinely wanted to know what those, those plaques were. And I could have asked you off, off camera. I could have asked you afterwards at the beginning, but I intentionally waited because I wanted to give you a moment to showcase and highlight your accomplishments like you're going to now do for me. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, obviously, and and it is. It's an effective tactical strategy. It doesn't feel the least bit manipulative. It's called, I would say it's called a high high EQ, you know, good people strategy, right? right. I mean- but, point, but pointing it out, I mean, when you sit there and I put a, look what I just did, that's when it feels like it was manipulative. When you yeah, point yeah, it out much. to people, right? Yeah, very much. You, you'll never, you'll never uh, suffer for having shown genuine interest in other people. Right. I think that's uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was literally like almost the core of his book was like, invite other people with genuine, authentic interest to speak right. about themselves. It's, it's a great it's way pretty, to- It's pretty much the nucleus of my success because in anybody that knows my you know, 20 year career knows that I'm a guy who's a giver. Uh, I care, I share information. I wanna help other people with, with no intentions of anything done in return. Um, and it's kind of what built my success. And I will tell you, you know, for every hundred people I help, uh, at least two of them turn into something of extreme value for me. And, you know, a lot of times throughout my career, I'd have friends, I'd have relatives, I'd have, you know, coworkers and, and colleagues that would say, why are you wasting your time doing that? Or even now, people are like, why do you talk to, why do you waste hours talking to people on DM? Or why do you respond to every email? Why do you answer every single phone call? And it's like, they think I'm wasting my time or that I should be doing things that are more productive, but they're missing the point and they're missing the magic in what, what, why I do all that stuff. You're working with me now because I've done all those things. I have all the success I have because I've done all those things and I'm not going to stop a proven formula that has worked for me for almost 20 years because you don't see the value in it. And by the way, I'm more successful and richer than you, not to be a dick, but my way kind of works a little bit more than yours and you're trying to advise me. So let's go. Yeah. 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 The, the selfless way works better than the selfish way. That's probably a good rule for life. Right. Um, And it's interesting too, particularly in industries like yours where you're in, I would call you, um, an ancillary piece of a, let's call it a celebrity business, right? Where there's, you have these kind of iconic celebrity figures, but there's people around them that are extremely successful and and none of those people emerge in isolation. It's a team that creates those brands, right? Uh, You know, sports and entertainment are the two that come to mind. And I've had multiple other people on the show. I'm thinking uh, two weeks ago, I had uh, a guy on named Brad Lambert, who is, uh, among other things, Robert Downey Jr.'s talent manager. Right. Um, I had a guy on uh, David Meltzer, for example, who owns a sports yep. marketing company, used to work for Lee Steinberg. And these are- Shout out D Meltzer. You know, David, yeah. And yeah. like, it's literally, they said almost the exact same thing. And in fact, it was so important mm-hmm. to them. It was, they almost did exactly what you did, which was make it the first thing out of their mouths. Right. Um, and it was almost like the key takeaway of the conversation is serve, give, Try to be the one person in these people's lives who, who aren't coming to them asking for something. Right. And I, I got to tell you, man, I, it, it happens every week. This isn't even like a once in a while back in the past of my career, which helped me to this day. I'll give you a perfect example. A billionaire reached out to me recently 
Um, and this happens to do with music. And she's like, listen, my daughter, she's trying to make it. She's, she, you know, she's getting all the wrong information. She's getting scammed. It doesn't seem to be working the path that we're going down. So I said, well, let me show some of your ID. So I broke down what you're doing wrong, right? Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're doing the old fake it till you make it kind of process. And, and it doesn't work, right? It, in the long run, it doesn't work. It's like taking drugs or, or drinking alcohol to just cover some depression today. As soon as you sober up, the depression's still there waiting for you, right? So, you know, if you do all this fake shit and cheating, it doesn't work in the long run. In fact, that hurts you in the long run. So anyhow, I connected her with a company I know that can help with what she's doing because she chose to go that route, which I'm, I'm not down with. So I'm just like, you know what? Here's a company that's down with doing the, going the direction you want to go with. Uh, so I passed it on to them and like, they made tens of thousands of dollars off her. So they, they hit me and they said, um, Hey man, you know, we want to uh, send you a commission or, you know, for, for sending us over. I was like, no, nah, it's all good. And they're like, no, but we want to take care of you. And I was like, well, we'll figure it out another time. Like I don't need any of the money. And, and the point is like, I just want to share. I've always paid it forward my whole career. I pay it forward and forward and forward and forward and forward. I hardly need anything from anybody because I'm pretty self-sufficient and I could just get things done myself. Not to say that throughout my journey, there hasn't been people that have done significant favors for me or connected me to something that resulted into something wonderful. But I'm saying overall, I don't need anything from anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and there's something to be said for that too. And I'm sure you can relate. It's like, if you understand what you want and what you're doing and how to get there, um, you know, you just, you, you, you know how to do it. So you don't have to like, ah, oh, give me some money off of that thing. or give me some money off of this. Like I'm good already. I'm just trying to help you guys. So in the event later on, if there's a connection I need you to make, or maybe we can partner up together, you're going to want to do it. Cause you know, I'm a good dude. Cause I already gave you money before without even asking for anything. So mm -hmm. if this guy's going to do business with us and not even like beat us over the head for money, or try to come at us some certain way, then of course we want to do business with people like that. And that's why throughout my, my career, I can call the same people. People pick up the phone when I call. Uh, I, every time, like even now, I own the fastest um, growing uh, esports and gaming lifestyle brand in the world, XET. And you know, every time we get on calls with major brands and major marketing firms, like major platforms, there's always somebody on their team that's like has some really nice things to say about me. They ran into me. 10 years ago when I did something or, yo, one time I hit you on MySpace back in the day and you gave me a bunch of great advice and here's where I am now because of you. So when you just like live a life of just throwing out good, 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 good with no expectations, like it comes back tenfold. And it actually, it wasn't until like these past two years that I realized, because I was such a workaholic and overachiever that I was just like, create content, put it out, create content, put it out, create content, put it out, do you a favor, do them a favor, connect those people, build this business, sell that. And I just did it and moved on to the next thing. And I never really sat and like patted myself on the back or was looking for accolades or appreciation. I just did it because I love working and I love doing dope shit. So it wasn't until like the past two years, I realized the impact I had on culture uh, that you're not even paying attention to because when you you don't realize you're making history while you're making it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I'm, when, when I'm building these companies and I'm helping artists become superstars, I'm not looking at it like, okay, now let's, let's all praise me. I'm just, okay, you're good now. You're a star. Great. Now, who do I make a next star? You know what I mean? Figuratively speaking, like whether it's a business or whatever. Right. And then now that I've kind of poked my head up a little bit because of all the um, entrepreneurial shit I'm doing in um, and, and all the, you know, esports and the gaming world that I'm kind of dominating in, um, I'm kind of talking to other people outside of music 
that I see the influence that I've had. I mean, I could go down, you said at the beginning of the show, if you read, read my list of accomplishments, it would be the whole entire show. And I know like, look, I host a podcast too. I host a show and it's always flattering to say things about people like, man, this guy's the greatest. He's done this. He's done that. Right. But like, you aren't even lying. Like I was looking at my website in the, the about Clinton sparks uh, part when you click it and you look at every year since 2001, it's like even, even me, me being me. And I can say this and I'll tell you why I can say this without sounding like, boy, this guy's pompous is because when I first started as a business, I, I treated Clinton sparks as the company I was a CEO of. And I detached mm -hmm. myself and my emotions from Clinton sparks. So whether somebody hated me or someone loved me, it didn't sway my emotions. I took it as like, you know, field research on what I can maybe do better with this brand or what's working with this brand. Right. So I wanted to preface that for what I'm about to say, what I'm about to say now. So you're like, man, this dude's really feeling himself. It's like, no, I'm actually stepped back for once and looked and I was like, holy shit. And when you look at like all the years I've accomplished things every single year for the past, like 19 years that somebody, and you know, this somebody would have done one of those things. And that's their claim to fame for the rest of their life. Or they build a whole business off of that one thing that they did. Right. So yeah, it's pretty overwhelming. So when you said at the beginning, I was like, you know, yeah, I agree. There is a lot. There is too much. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I skipped well over half of what I could have talked about. I, I, I think I did mention the esports brand. I skipped the hip hop radio station. I skipped the, the women's clothing line. I skipped the, the tech data analytics company. I like, right. I skipped half the artists you've worked with. I skipped the book. I mean, right. it's, and, and so, yeah, I mean, part of it is like, wow, you must get up really early in the morning to do all that. But, um, but I like what you said about like, you, you tend to this, you get it where it's not just good enough, but it's great. Yep. But then you it don't, works. you don't assign yourself. You, you don't like to attach yourself to that and say, okay, this is gonna be the defining project of my life. It's like, okay, what next? What next? What next? I'm curious. Um, you know, you had this string of successes in, in music. Um, you know, I didn't say this, I should have, you know, the, the, the records that you've produced and, and written songs for have sold over 75 million rec, you know, copies, multi-platinum, right. like, so, so at a certain point you get momentum, you get reputation. Like if you call up a, a record label, like they know who you are. Right. Right. But then when did you veer outside of that into esports, tech, fashion, uh, you know, sort of a new, a new world that you have to go rebuild your credibility in. Well, um, well, I didn't have to, fortunately, because they're all kind of connected. Right. So okay. I was like a, I was like a human SEO since I started uh, becoming me. Right. So I was SEOing myself before it was like kind of the key term that and thing everybody was doing. So when I first started, uh, I built my own syndicated radio show that ended up being in 22 markets. Um, and then I built the world's largest urban e-commerce website. Um, and then I would do like the biggest parties and then I'm producing the biggest artists. So everything that I'm doing is pushing you to something else that I was doing. Uh, and it was all connecting. It wasn't like a tire shop and a pizza shop, right. and you know, a bakery. So it was all, it wasn't like different things I had to totally focus on. So like fashion, music, uh, sports, uh, all these things are all part of the culture of, of pop culture. Right. Uh, so I've just, you know, I was a host on E! News for five years with Ryan Seacrest, right? So I'm the guy that brought hip hop to Hollywood. They were never talking about hip hop. They were talking about Britney Spears and Paris Hilton all day, right? So when I got on there, I started bringing on Little John and Pharrell and Talib Kweli and Common and Ray. And like, they never heard of that. 
So I've always been good at uh, forecasting trends, understanding culture, psychology, uh, demographics, uh, what people don't understand about each other. It's, it's why I've excelled in marketing is because I can sit in a room with a JetBlue, a JP Morgan, a Rick Ross, uh, a Jeff Lerner, uh, and, and like, you know, there's a, there's a ClickFunnels guy over here, an airline over here, you know, a banking financial institution and a rapper, right? And they'll all be in a room like, what the fuck are we all doing here? Like, we're not, why are we in this room together? I'm the guy that understands what everybody needs to get done, what their pain points are, where they're trying to go, where they've been, what they're doing now. And then I know how to connect them all together put the whole play together, package it, and make it an awesome activation or initiative between them all. And that's what I've always done. I've been merging worlds since, I mean, even in high school, Jeff, I was the kid that was, I was the most popular kid in school, yet didn't have any friends and didn't belong to any social circle. And what I mean by that is, um, I was a kid that would walk into the lunchroom where, you know, you have like, you know, the jock sitting over there, the black kid sitting over here, the Asian kid sitting over there, the Dungeons and Dragon kid sitting over here, the kids that are like a downstairs, you don't even know what, what they do down there. Like you just see them at, you know what I mean? I would go and sit at everybody's tables and I was accepted by every table. Mm. And I would listen and talk and, and, and I'd vibe with everybody. And I was the one that would say, oh shit, you're into that? So is that dude that you would never know because you guys don't talk because for some odd reason you look different, you don't feel like you should talk to each other. So I've been doing it since I was in high school. Like I was the first guy merging EDM and, and hip hop together. I, I told, kept telling Akon to go work with David Guetta, which made Sexy Chick, which ended yeah. up changing the whole landscape of the music industry. I found and discovered and signed DJ Snake in 07. I introduced him to Little John, which made turn down for what and like change the game in music so like there's so many things that i've done that shaped and shifted the culture that we're a part of that you wouldn't know so to answer your question direct it isn't something that i just decided after excelling in music like oh i think i want to get in tech now or i want to get into gaming or fashion like i've i've been doing all of these things all the time just behind the scenes because i wasn't saying hey look at me i was just doing it so, you know, I was heading marketing at Karma Loop, which was the world's biggest streetwear fashion website, did a billion in sales, right? So we brought Pusha, Kanye, Jay-Z, everybody over there. And that was fashion and that was music. And we were the first people that did live streaming on Karma Loop before it was like a YouTube thing. So there's so many things that I've done that have been the first in that you wouldn't know unless you knew me or you were someone that really followed my blueprint. The only thing that became new and introduced new was uh, about four years ago when I got introduced to the esports and, and gaming industry. Uh, and I was introduced to that through the former founder and CEO of Carmelo, Greg Selko, who then went over to uh, this new, this group of kids called FaZe Clan. They weren't a business, they had no business structure. They were just a bunch of popular kids online for trick shooting and gaming. Uh, so we went there, we built out everything, the whole business, we took it from zero to $300 million valuated company, over 240 million followers on the internet. You know, I brought in all the biggest celebrity investors from Offset, Pitbull, Sway Lee, Yo Gotti, DJ Paul, Troy Carter, Ray J, all these guys, Mark Wahlberg. Like I brought all these guys and introduced them uh, to this world. Um, and then I eventually, I did all that, brought some big brands over there. We brought NFL, Champion, Bear Brick, uh, and really helped push the culture of gaming and esports into the mainstream to make it more uh, acceptable and create more awareness to, to, to brands, to parents who are sitting there saying, oh, my kid wastes time playing video games. It's like, nope, your kid's actually creating a new career for himself. The same way you put him in NFL Pop Warner and he's got to play for 15 years, get beat up, go to practice, do all these things, and hopefully he makes it to college and 
Hopefully the NFL picks him up. Your son right now can go online with a console and make $50,000 next month playing Fortnite. That's a career and it's safer. You know what I mean? So like I've been out here pushing this narrative of not only do, do parents need to wake up and realize this is another career choice for their kids, but also, you know, it's a new way out of the hood. You know, I come from the hood, man. So like the way, the way you get out of the hood is either sports, music, illegal shit, or you're one of the very few that get out because you did well in school, right? But the majority, everybody dreams of hoop dreams and football or music. And, and gaming is the new way out of the hood. Way faster than hoop dreams and way safer than football. Definitely safer than selling drugs and, and definitely uh, more likely than become a, a big-time rapper. Wow. Wow, man. Um, so much. Yeah, sorry. So I, I just go on a tangent and like one thing leads to the other. And I know no, there's a bunch of things but you that's, could have picked that's out That's your of there. career though, right? I mean, we right. just we just got a microcosm of your entire career. One thing leads to another and you just, the momentum and the, the pace, the frenetic I mean, energy. I'll, I'll sit in a room with, I, I, I was fortunate enough. And I think it's because of the way I was, I was my childhood that made me what I am. Look, I was, I, I watched my, my dad was an alcoholic. He left us. I watched him almost kill my mom. I was sexually abused for many years. I was a very lonely kid. My mom worked two jobs. Uh, I got bullied a lot when I was young. So like we were pretty broke. We had roaches and like, you know, I got ragged on all the time because I would have on like the no name sneakers and stuff. So I think it was a matter of, there's a bunch of things that as you get older, you start kind of reflecting and wondering like, why am I, I guess, like you said, high IQ people will start to self dissect, Mm -hmm. right? And, 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 And analyze themselves and like, you know, it's not, you're not an asshole if you know that you're a great person and can proudly say that, right? But some people will say like, oh man, he's all, he's all about himself. That's like, no, I've built, I built the person that I am, right? And I purposely built the kind of human being that by doing analytics of the world and what the world defines as a good person, I just pulled from that. Like even when I was young, I used to listen to women talk about what they wanted a man in a right. man. So I'm like, all right, so I understand. Like, and that's what I don't understand about the world. If you understand the stove is hot and if you touch it, you're gonna burn yourself, don't fucking touch it, right? So like, it's that simple to, to live a life and be successful. Pay attention, care, listen. And I did that when I was coming up and I'd like, man, that kid's a bully, why does he bully me? Even when I was being molested, I'm like, why does this guy molest me? Like, what happened to him that made him do that to me? And then I'll start to kind of dissect people and understand the way that they move. That's why I can walk into a room and I can know in two minutes from the way that you're dressed, how you move your head, how you blink your eyes, the way that you talk, the way that you position yourself, your body language. I know who you are, where you're from, what you want, what you're going to try to get over on me. And it's like, it's not just street smarts. Cause honestly I came up in the streets. So you, when you're in the streets, you have a, you have an advantage over somebody who wasn't, who's just book smart. Right. Uh, especially if you're book smart and street smart. Um, but if you really pay attention to people and actually care, and it goes back to the beginning of this conversation, when you really give a shit, and it's not an act, and it's not just a sales pitch. You care. And even one of the things in my book I talk about, I say, look, at if you feel triumphant or you feel like a winner because you're able to convince somebody to invest in something or buy something that doesn't have tremendous value to them, that doesn't make you a good salesperson. Right. It makes you a con artist. You know, and so there's a big difference. And I think a lot of people don't know that because, you know, you're in business. If you've got those plaques behind you, you know a lot about business. So, you know, the, the 99% of people just care about, yes, I just fucking sold another thing, right? But they don't think about like, 
but did they need it? And, and that's where kind of the foundation of who I am uh, is how I've built what I've built is because that is the foundation of who I am. And another example I'll give you is the average person, and I'm only giving this example because I think sometimes people might not get, I think the, the people that listen to your show are probably intellectual enough to understand half of what we're saying without having to finish it. But, you know, I don't want to assume that. And plus, when you hear things from a different perspective, it might make you say, oh, shit, I never thought of it that way. So one way is I point out is when you're looking for, uh, you know, me and you, since we're guys, and we're looking for, you know, someone to date, right? And we want to, we're looking for a, 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 a person to be our partner. We look for, do they got a sense of humor? Do they, are they pretty? Like, uh, do, do they make their own money? Like, are they going to be a headache? Like, we think about the things that matter to us. We think about, do they fit what we need that's going to make me happy? Nobody ever sits and says, but am I right for them? Yeah. Do I fill the buckets that they need? Do I, am I funny? Am I this way? Am I moody? Am I going to clash with her things? So you got to apply the same thing that I just described in business, but you also got to do that in life. A lot of people don't do that in life. And if you can practice that in your regular life, it's just going to transfer over to you doing business because that's how you now built your mind to think. And that's how I, I built my mind to think since I was young. Yeah, it's really interesting, everything you're saying. And there's a lot of interesting things about what you're saying. But one thing I'm going to hone in on because I resonate with it so much is this idea of, of very intentional, almost like architectural and construction element of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Treating ourselves from a very early stage like a project. You said being the CEO of the business of Clinton Sparks. Right. I resonate with that so much. I believe I have absolutely done it myself. Not surprisingly, I had a lot of crap when I was a kid. And I wonder maybe if you were molested, I was bullied in a very sort of what felt like fundamentally destructive and disempowering way because it was because of a genetic condition. Right. So it was like, I can't help it. I'm different. I'm, I'm broke. And for me at the time, I was like, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Right. Right. And so then to try to piece yourself back together from trauma, there's an element of like, okay, well, yeah, that sucked and it's horrible, but also there's a power and an opportunity in having to put yourself back together because you get to decide. It becomes intentional rather than just like, uh, you know, unintentional, a byproduct of whatever. And, and I did, I did. It was like, okay, what do people, like, I don't like being alone. I want to have friends. Mm -hmm. what, it, what makes a good friend? Right. I'm going to develop that skill. Right. And in fact, at one point, I realized that the ability to connect and make people feel something was, that's actually the glue of relationships. And I was so bad at it that I said, okay, well, I, I have some work to do to do that like verbally and interpersonally, but I can do it with music. You just nailed it. You just hit the nail on the head. Feel. People just need to feel something. If you understand what somebody needs to feel, bingo, that's the target. So now your mission is to figure out how to get them to feel that way. Look, even when you're in a relationship, you know, I, I always find it odd that people, couples have the same argument. And I'll tell you why. 
you already know what the trigger words are. You already know how she receives your message. You already know how she conveys messages. You already, you, it's like pretty much going to war and having the blueprint of your enemy's weapons, where they're going to be hiding, what time they're going to attack you. And then you're still losing the battle. Like it, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. So if you care enough about somebody else, as much as you care about your own self or needs, that's the winning ticket. And I'll give you a, a, a little, uh, a moment that I realized this. Um, so my mom ended up sending me to my dad when I was 15 because I was getting in trouble with the law a lot and she was sick of picking me up from the police station. So she sends me to my dad in the suburbs. Now I'm a city kid who's a troublemaker, right? So I go and live with my dad. I'm like, I'm not going to go move to the boondocks and live with a bunch of hicks and da da. So that's what I'm thinking back when I'm a kid. So I move out there and it's total culture shock, right? I never even, I never, I never, I, I never even knew like, what family life was like, you know what I mean? Like having a mother, a father, right. a father works, mother drives kids to school, drives them to soccer practice. The kids hang over the house on Saturday, mom makes them lunch. Like that's like boring to me. Right. So I go out there um, and I live with my dad who was still an alcoholic, like drinking heavy. Um, so, you know, I dealt with that and, you know, he was married to somebody else, ends up getting to a divorce, hits rock bottom, like, you know, I pull a shotgun out of his mouth. Like, there's just a lot of shit I'm dealing with with this guy, right? Um, so we end up having uh, the big father-son fight at 18, right? Mm -hmm. And there's one thing my dad used to say to me when I got sent to him, when I'd get in trouble, is he would say this one line that would piss me off. Um, and the one line he would say is, I didn't raise you like that. And I'd be like, you didn't fucking raise me. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't here. Right. But obviously at that age, I'm 15. I'm not going to talk to my dad like that at that time. I'm thinking that to myself. Right. So I it's just pissed me off. Cause I'm like, man, this dude really fucking thinks like he had some kind of participation in raising me and you weren't there. You fucking asshole. I got molested and bullied and you never came to play catch with me. And every time you said you were going to come, you didn't show up. Fuck you. Right. So that's what was going on in my head. Right. But, uh, so then finally at 18, we end up having, by the way, my dad is a, is a super broken guy too. Right. Um, so we can, we can go and have a whole podcast just on broken men, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> so anyways, um, and how there's no place for them to go cry, right? Yeah. So, so uh, at 18, we have the big father-son fight. And it's kind of like we're in each other's face. And my, my, my dad's a tough motherfucker, man. Like, I've watched him beat up three dudes at one time. Um, so and he's got a punch, like a cinder block. He'll just, like, walk up and be like, hey, what's up? You're like, oh, fuck. Right? So anyway, so it's 18. And it's the first time I manned up to him. And we're in each other's face. And I was like, fuck you, dad. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going to be a way better father than you when I grow up. Um, and then he's like, yeah, you'll see when you get all this shit happens, blah, blah, blah. And that was that. I walk out. We don't talk. I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm never fucking talking to this guy again. So, you know, two, three years go by. And I think about it. And I think about, and, and this, is, this is the key to life right here that I figured out. This is one of the keys to life that I'm about to say. Um... So I'm sitting thinking like, why, what happened to my father that didn't allow him to be the man I needed him to be, to be my father? So when I cared enough to ask that question and I cared enough to go get the answer, then I found out he was beaten by his dad all the time. Like he was molested. He was sent to Vietnam, comes back a full blown alcoholic. Like, like this dude's life was fucked up too. And, you know, everybody doesn't have the same tools or are equipped to dig themselves out of a shithole, 
like you and I did, right? So, you know, my dad's 70, still going to therapy. I'm like, what the fuck are you gonna get out of it now, dad? Like how many times you gotta go to therapy? At what point do you see it doesn't work, right? But anyways, so, um, so I think that to myself and I go back to him. So now instead of resentment, I now have empathy. And I go back to my father and then we, be, we have long talk. Now I understand him. And then we built, we became best friends. Um, but that was because I cared about someone else as much or more than I cared about myself. I could have went the rest of my life like most people do. Woe is me. I could have been like, my fucking father wasn't there. I was fucking molested. Fuck him. The guy never had my back. Da, da, da. Well, you know what? I'm a fucking man now. So I can have his back. And there's nothing wrong with going and having your dad's back. Maybe he's still broken and doesn't know how to fix himself like I was able to. And there's nothing wrong with that. The real wrong thing is, is if you do have these tools and you don't go fucking fix it. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know you can get a free copy of my book, The Millionaire Shortcut, which will show you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. And there's a special link just for this episode in the description. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. That's what I did with my father and then we became best friends and been fr best friends, you know, up until two years ago when I accidentally watched the Michael Jackson documentary and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. And now we like don't it. talk, now we don't talk anymore. Like we're not friends anymore because the guy is still broken. The guy still never gets over his stuff. The reason we were best friends is because I understood him. So you hear often in life, people say like, can you believe this guy did that? Who does that? Right. You'll hear lines like this, right? Or people complain about the way somebody operates. Uh, why are you complaining? You now have the blueprint. You know how they act. And if you're as fucking great as you think you are, then you should now be able to take that information and be able to make it work because you have the instructions of how their operating manual works. So, you know, my father just, you know, he's just completely broken. So the reason we were friends for so long is because I was tolerant, I was patient, and I was understanding of his deficiencies or some, even when I didn't agree with something, I wasn't like, no dad, I'm just like, no, that's how he thinks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I didn't make it combative because you know what was more important? Having a relationship with my dad than being right. And that goes with anything in life. What's more important? You being right? You being able to throw your hands up like I'm the fucking champion? Or the company working? Or the team winning? Or your family fucking working and being happy? Like really, guys, mm -hmm. like, Throw your ego out the door. The two worst things that anyone can have that I watch everything fall apart because of these two things is ego and greed. And those things ruin everything. And I deleted both of those from my life when I was 15 because I seen what it does. It's the same way I watch what alcohol does so I never drank. Mm -hmm. The same way I see what ego does so I don't have one. And it's that easy, guys. If smoking kills and gives you cancer, don't fucking do it. If walking off a building means you're going to fall and die, do you fucking do it? No. <laughs> it's the same theory. Just apply it to everything else. Use your sense. So I want to I want to connect two dots that somebody might have just connected and said, "Oh, he just said he had he got rid of his ego when he was 15." But he also talked so almost brazenly about his accomplishments, right? Well, clearly right. he's full of shit. He obviously is full of himself, right? I want to suggest and you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying no, someone I, else. I might. Dude, I love, there's nothing I love better than when someone wants this to have a, an, an opposing view of what I just said or 
tries to dissect me and says, well, that's a little contradictive because we can break it down further and I'll let you know. But, you know, we don't have time here, but yeah, of course. Well, Look, yeah. Everyone, so everything in life is contradictive, right? You can't be all good. You can't be all bad. You can't like, you can't. But if, you, if you're 99% this and that one percent by the way it's also subject to opinion it's also depending on the context you know what i mean so like right. so well what, what i was gonna say is and, and you know because i'm kind of in the same in a different way that i have to manifest the same duality where it's like i'm here to serve i'm here you know i believe i'm humble enough to say whatever skills or, or gifts that I have, I, I certainly didn't create them. I wasn't in the womb going, I'm going to be good at that. You know, like right, it was given right. to me. Right. And, and I'm grateful for it. But also as an entrepreneur, you have to be very, very effective at self-promotion. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to kind of develop this way to like almost brag with, with humility. Well, and it's not, it's not bragging when it's facts and it's real. Right. Right. When you, when, when, if I sit here and say, I sold, Hey guys, my name's Clinton Sparks. I'm a Grammy nominated producer. I sold over 75 million records. And here's some of the great things that I've done in my life. You're not going to sit there and say, wow, that dude's conceited. Right. You're going to be, it depends how you deliver the message. It depends the aura of who you are. Right. And then also what the message is after that. If I said that and then said something like, ain't nobody fucking with me. Now you're like, oh, right. that dude's an asshole. Right. But if, if behind that you come in and say, I want to show you guys how to do it and sell even more than I sold. Right. Now it's not bragging. You know what I'm saying? So it depends how the message is delivered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the reason I say it is because, you know, for me, I own an entrepreneurial education company. I have thousands of people that come into my world saying, I want to do this thing. I want to, I want to go down a different path in my life. I've maybe I've been an employee. I've been a, a box checker, you know, order taker, and I want to like create and, and focus on value rather than trading time. And, and, and one of the hardest obstacles for so many people to get over is to get into the business of putting themselves out there with that confidence because right. they, it, they're insecure. They feel like it's braggy. They feel like it's immodest. Mm -hmm. And, but, but what I love is you as the CEO, I want to loop back to that as the CEO of your own life, what business owner or business executive would think that it was immodest to market their product or service? Correct. Well, if you're the CEO of your own self as a looking at yourself as a business, it is not immodest to market your product or service. In fact, without that, you have no business. Right. And, and also having the ability to be very self-aware uh, of that business. So, you know, and I'm very open-minded. So, and that's the other thing when you're connected to the brand and you, and it's you, then your ego will get in the way when somebody tells you something about that business that they don't like. And you're like, oh, well, right. it's just... but instead, that's never happened to me. If someone's like, I don't like them because of this, I'm like, okay, cool. So that's a type of personality I have to be mindful of when it comes to this, that that customer won't like this product when we pitch it or market it this way. Mm -hmm. So therefore I have to position it a little bit differently if I care enough about that consumer. So that's what I've done since the very beginning. And, and, and to be honest, it's also customer service. I'm very, very active uh, and responsive to things from day one. I mean, it's very rare that I've ever got negative. I mean, probably on two hands, I've had negative comments said about me online. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I respond. 
you know, and I respond not in, not in a hating way. I say, hey, man, sorry that, this, you know, you didn't like whatever this song or I'm sorry if that, da, 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 you know, maybe next time or thank you for even listening in the first place. You know, it was an honor and I'm going to really take your feedback and think about this. Da, da. And literally nine out of 10 people that I responded to, let's just say 120 years, 90% of that 100 have all came back like, holy shit, I didn't think you were going to respond or... Yo, this is amazing. I can't believe that you're talking to me. Or, dude, that means so much that you cared enough to respond to me. And like, you know, people don't people don't take I don't care. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. So like everybody because guess what? One person turns into three of their friends. Three of their friends turns into seven of their friends. Seven of their friends turns into twenty. Word spreads. And the same way when you do something great, people will want to talk about how great you are. The same way if you rub somebody the wrong way or do something wrong, the word's gonna spread about you. And then all of a sudden, a year later, when you find out there's three hundred people that don't want to do business with you, it could have all stemmed from that one person that you treated like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually it's hilarious. Hilarious, maybe isn't the word. It's uh, it's interesting that you're talking about this exact subject. I have a story on my Instagram right now from an email exchange I had this morning. The lady wrote me, seven fifty-seven a.m. this morning. She wrote me, "If I met you in person, this was via email. She was re replying to one of my auto autoresponder messages, right? Right, right. But if I met you in person, I'd shoot your fucking ass for how you just scammed me, asshole." I was like, so, so I wrote her back. Now, now, but wait, before you tell me your response, before you tell me your response, right. my immediate response would be like, I'm so sorry that you feel scammed. Could you please elaborate why you feel this way? Because my intention is to make you not feel that way. That's what my response well, would be. Well, I, I think I'm about to tell you a Clinton approved response because I said, <laughs> how did I scam you? I'm asking sincerely. If there's been a wrong, I'll make it right but I'm not in the business of scamming anyone. So I'm not sure how you drew that conclusion. Please tell me what happened. Cause I want you to be happy. And you know guess what? what goes back to what we said. Yeah. A feeling. Yeah. You and, want and you her know, to first, feel better. At first I was like, you know, who the fuck is it? I didn't do it. You know, like that, that right, immediate right. gut right. visceral Human response. Nature. Right. But, it, but it's a listener response. Oh, I mean, it's so crazy. Like I'm almost like, does this lady have multiple personalities? But she said, Oh geez. I'm so sorry about that. It wasn't even directed at you. I was just angry at these emails I've been getting. I meant absolutely nothing that I said. And now I'm incredibly embarrassed. What you do is amazing. And the book you sent me was eye-opening. And she went on and on and on about how sorry she was and how much value I've given her in her life. And admittedly, yes, thank you, thank you. But I hold that up perhaps as an evident as as an example of a divergent personality, yeah. but also as evidence of how well what you're describing actually works. And it took mm -hmm. me a long time to get disciplined enough to actually do it. Right. Well, here's the other, here's the flip side to that is remember, there's a lot of people that are not sound, right? So yeah. when we're responding to somebody, we're thinking we're talking to somebody on our level of uh, intellect or, or, or logic. Stability. And yeah, and a lot of times we're not. So when we're going into that with rationale and logic, we're already gonna lose because that person is just maybe has some mental issues, maybe they got anger issues. It doesn't matter what you could say or what you could do to make it right, you're just, you're just fuck you. You know what I mean? So sometimes you also gotta be mindful of that too and you can't spend too much time without knowing who the person is that you're talking to. 
Because yeah, they also it, don't understand the business behind it. They don't understand, like, for instance, why do you have an auto response? I'll tell you why. Because right. you're dealing with thousands and thousands of people. So some people will look at it like it's disingenuous. I'll give you an example. My book and my, so my book is free, right? How to win big in the music business. You can get it free at winbiginmusic.com, winbiginmusic.com. And even though it says music business, the principles and values in this book are transferable to any industry, including your own personal relationships. And my boy Damon John wrote the forward. But here's the thing. I give the book for free. Then I'm not, and by the way, this isn't one of the, the standard typical, it's a booklet that just kind of tells you the what, and now you got to buy my thing to get the how, like, like everybody else does. This literally is a standalone, this will change your life book. You don't even have to get my course. This shit is fucking dope, right? Because I know this, I know what the, the traditional thing is like, I'm just going to tell you what, what the things that you're feeling and the things you're doing wrong and what you need to be doing, but I'm not going to tell you how you got to get my course, right? So, and I know that that's, that's. That's ClickFunnels built off that, right? That's, right. that's how business is built, right? So I wanted to do it different. I wanted people to say, yo, if this dude's actually giving me a real book that he's not selling me something else, it, I, it's going to encourage me to want to get more because if he's giving right. me this for free, then fuck, the other shit he must have is way crazier. So the point of me saying that was you'll get someone like, Yo, man, you act like you're out here helping people. Then you want to charge me, you know, $129 for this thing. I'm like, what do you think my whole fucking life is to just give you free shit and you're just going to get it free? Like, people get mad at, like, the fact that you have a real operation and business going. Instead of being happy, like, holy shit, I can learn all this stuff for $497, way more than I'd spend at $10,000 of dollars at schools or way more than this. Thank you, Clinton. Thank you. Instead, you'll get somebody that's mad that you're charging them for something. And it's like, how much do I got to give you for free? I got, a I got the biggest music and business show on Twitch that you can come get free game with everybody from Damon John to Rob Dirty to Offset to Sway Lee to Pitbull. Everybody's on there giving you game. I got a free book. And now you, you want me to give, spend a year building a course and give you that free too? Right. So, you know, people don't understand. That's the thing, though, Jeff, is like a lot of people don't understand uh, the business behind it and why, and that's why they're not winning on that level. But that's why I created this course to pull back the curtain and show people like, this is why you're fucking up. Like literally in the beginning of my book, it literally says, I'm going to teach you how to do more dope shit and less whack shit. Right. That's really, that sums it up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're so, you're so right. My, uh, you know, I use my, my YouTube channel is, is my equivalent of what you're describing. I have 500 videos on there and what's funny is you know i we run an online education company we do a lot of business we have a lot of paying students there's almost nothing that we teach in the paid programs that i don't also teach for free on youtube right but i mean somebody could spend a year going through my youtube channel but what i find is that like you said the more you give the, and this is for everyone else. I'm not teaching right. this to Clinton. He already right, knows it. Right, but like right. the more you give, the more people they actually expect. want to invest for whatever, anything else you have to offer. Right. So, yeah, so like, yeah, I, I, I'm sure ahead. you have, I'm sure you have like diehard believers and supporters. Like there's a bunch of people that like, I could sell socks tomorrow and they'll just get right. it. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's the same thing when you're a successful artist. If they, there's a chapter in my book that's, uh, made people buy into you before uh, 
before what you're selling them. Some, I think I'm, I'm not reading it right, but have people buy into you before selling them whatever you're trying to sell them. Right. Um, some, I forget the exact, it's in the book. <laughs> I don't even know my own chapter title, right? And it's like, when people look at you as a trusted source, or they relate to you, or they believe you, right? And again, it goes back to me saying, it's a feeling when they feel like they can trust you, when they feel like they can believe you, when they feel like you're not full of shit, they want to roll with you and they want to ride with you. I mean, look at people like Gary V, right? People that, that love Gary V is because he's just, matter of fact, in your face, dude, it is what it fucking is. Either you take it or you don't. You know what I mean? And, I, and that's kind of been, you know, the, the nucleus of my success too is like people know when I come in the room, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And even if it hurts your feelings, I'm not going to say it disrespectfully like, dude, you suck, quit. But I'm gonna. T I'm not gonna say, you know, you know maybe some work. And I'm gonna be like, well, here's why I don't think it's gonna work. You know what I mean? And like, and, and and by the way, I don't just give my opinion. When I step into a room, whether it's me bringing in a new business development opportunity to a business I'm a part of, or whether it's bringing a, a an investment opportunity to an artist, like I come there with all of the facts. Yeah. And it's also knowing who they were, who they are, and where they need to be. A lot of times people don't even know where they need to be or where they need to go or how to even get anywhere else from where they are right now. So that's what makes someone like me successful because I can look at whether you're a brand, you're a product, you're an artist, you're just a, a human being. I can look at you, analyze you and say, all right, here's where you're stuck. All right, here's how your product can, can deliver more value. All right, here's how your brand can can amplify by doing these things over here. And to me, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a scene in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, do you know the movie? I do. Yeah. So there's a scene when Matt Damon is sitting across from, um, the professor that, you know, got him out of, out of, out of jail. And he's reading this thesis that Matt Damon wrote. Mm -hmm. And he's looking back in his chair and he's like, Hey, did you think about this? And Matt's like, yeah, it's in there. And he goes, did you think about this though? And he goes, that's in there too. And he goes, how about, he goes, do you know what it's like to watch me sit here and watch you guys fucking fumble around with this shit when it comes so easy to me? That's literally how I feel about life. Like when I watch people arguing or there's gridlocks or negotiations between businesses I'm in or CEOs that are just the worst or employees that don't know how to talk to other executives in the company or customer service or like, and I, I just sit back like, and I'm like, why the fuck is this so hard for you guys? It's so easy. Just do the right thing. If you just do the right thing, everything works out. Now you could sit here and go down another argument. Well, everyone has their own definition of the right thing. Some people think storming the capital is right. Some people don't. You know what I mean? So now you have your own definition of what right is. But like, look, at, at the end of the day, the majority thinks when Superman saves somebody falling off a building, that Superman's a pretty awesome guy for doing that. There's still going to be some people that are mad that person that was pushed off the building didn't fucking die. You know what I mean? Right. So if, if the majority of what you're doing gets it and understands and it's right, you can't please everybody, man. So I know that we're, uh, honestly, we're about out of time. So I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I, I'm I, totally I want to ask, um, you know, you have this kind of way that you very intentionally cultivated way of being, right? And, and sort of call it, people engineering first of yourself and then ultimately of others. How did that lead you into the music business and how did it, you, you kind of break into what is a hugely competitive and difficult to establish yourself in business? How, how did that parlay into getting kind of what, I guess, for lack of a better term, we'll call your big break. 
Well, there's a lot of details I can get into, but to sum it up, um, dope prevails. Uh, so dope always rises to the top. So I just focused on being dope. And uh, in, in, in other words, I just focused on being great. Uh, there's another chapter in my book that is, uh, famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I focused on being great. Um, you know, especially to your point, I I was a white kid in Boston at a time when hip hop was mostly, uh, or black and mostly New York. So I had two things against me, right? So, uh, uh, if you were a white dude at the time I was coming up, you would either call vanilla ice or Eminem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I just knew all I had to do was be dope, and you can't deny dope. Um, so that's that's how I started. I mean, I I didn't plan on look becoming successful in the music business is a dream, right? You don't think that's real. Um, so you know, I was popular in my neighborhood. I produced for all the local artists. I was winning all the talent shows. Uh, I was putting out mixtapes. So I was the man in my city, right? And then I was on radio in my city. Um, but I never looked at it as like, oh, I'm gonna be famous and rich from this. I just looked at it as like something I love doing. Uh, and I've been doing music in my bedroom since I was ten. Um, so, and nobody taught me, I think it was just cause I was lonely, had nothing else to do. And my radio was my best friend. Um, so I just, it just, I got so into music and listening to music. It, that's what I wanted to do. Um, but then like, you know, when I started getting in, when I, I didn't even graduate high school. So when I was like, you know, 18 and 19, I'm like, you know, I was, I was a thief throughout my teenagers, teenage mm. years. And, um, the, the pivotal, <laughs> point in my career or my life was I was doing music, but I was also kind of a loser. Um, uh, I was a good man, but I was a loser in life. Um, so we were staking out a bank, um, for a couple of weeks and it was the day before we were going to rob the bank. Uh, go figure Boston guy robbing a bank, right? Um, Sounds like a movie. Yeah. So, um, the day before we were going to do it, I thought to myself, I'm fucking 19. What am I doing? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking go to jail. If we get bopped, like it's over, it's a wrap. Uh, so I bailed, uh, my two buddies went through with it successfully. Uh, but I, I bailed and something else happened at the same time was I had stole a bunch of snowblowers from the back of like some shop that had new snowblowers. And I had stored them behind my, at the time, my girlfriend's shed in her backyard because I didn't have a father around and a father figure that I respected, her dad was the closest thing to like a, a man that I respected. Um, he found those snowblowers and found out that was me stealing them and called me a loser. Um, him calling me a loser was like a boom in my life. Because uh, I, I never had anybody whose opinion I cared about that much, mm-hmm. uh, especially a man. Uh, so me, the bank thing, and then the being called a loser, I realized like I was going down the wrong path. Like, I mean, dude, I was so engulfed in this world that like, if you watch movies like heat, when they're like, yeah, we need a crew to go do this. Like I was in that scene. Like uh, they'd like call you to be like, the yeah, like I, like I was known as like a great fucking criminal. Um, so, um, yeah, my, my, just my teenage years alone is like four different movies. I've lived like 10 lives, man. But anyway, so I, um, I looked on the back of the paper back then, this is like late nineties. And I was like, uh, I found a job at UPS. I also took the test for the international brotherhood of electrical workers. I passed that test. So I got offered to be in that and a UPS job at the same time. Um, I realized becoming a, a, a successful 
electrician would take like five years. UPS, I'd get benefits and everything in three months. Mm -hmm. So I went and got a job at UPS. Like if I never, I was such a good employee. I'm such an overachiever and a workaholic that I was, they, like even veterans at, at UPS, when we load the trucks, they'd load three trucks in the morning. They'd made the conveyor belt, make an island with six trucks around it so I could load my own island of six trucks and um, train new employees. That's how, how good of a worker I am. So um, I ended up being there for three and a half years. I was carrying an 85-pound package of some makeshift steps. It collapsed. I injured my, my back. I had spinal surgery. I'm like, holy shit, I can't do hard labor. I didn't graduate high school. I got to make music a reality. So I had no plan B. I was just like, yo, I'm dope at music. I'm just going to make sure everybody else knows I'm dope. And I just started driving down the East Coast, giving out mixtapes like it was drugs for free. Because I knew like once you took a hit of my mixtape, you were going to call back and buy it from me. So that's pretty much, that's the, the beginning stages. And then there's a lot of shit that happened that throughout the course of my life that, and it wasn't like one thing. A lot of people say, what do you think was your big break? Right. And like to this day, and I know this sounds a little naive, like I still don't think I had my big break. Right. I think my life was, you know, a series of just doing great work. Uh, and that includes making great connections, you know, meaning what I say, saying what I mean, following through, um, and, and just, you know, it constantly would, would open up doors to become Diddy's tour DJ or, you know, to launch Eminem shade 45 with Eminem or, you know, to become a host on E news or, you know, all the things that I've done throughout my career, uh, they've all come because people just like one, they like great and they like, they like a great talent and great product, but they also like a great person that does great things, uh, and treats people great. You know, I always say, you know, people feel like in order to be great, they have to feel like they have to make somebody else not great. Like in order to win, I got to make everybody else lose. Um, and, and I don't believe in that. I think helping others be great is being great. Um, and I've made a career of helping others become great. That's, that's interesting. As you were talking, I, 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 I genuinely love and I find it attractive. Others may not. I find it very attractive. You know what I mean by that? To like a person who's just confident and comfortable saying like, I'm great at this. So many people, they want to like water that down or, or they, like you said, and, and it's, you know, the bottom line is you're in that situation. You break, you have spinal surgery. You can't do your work. You have no high school diploma. If you don't have the confidence to go, you know, what? I'm great at something and I'm going to go make sure the world hears about it. What, what does your life look like now? Right. But to one, to have the confidence to know what you're great in, in, is also to have the ability to know what you're not great in. Mm -hmm. And that that makes you great, to know what you're not great at. I know what I'm not great at, right? So I either work on it or I figure out a way to have that handled where I can focus right. on what I'm more great at instead of focusing on what I'm not great at. Amen, man. Well, uh, so much gold here. I am so grateful you came on the show. I actually knowing that you have more time. I wish I had more time. I have literally <laughs> physical therapy for my neck in 20 minutes. I got to go oh, to, man. but um, I'm fine. It's just, I, the, I'm too in love with the gym and I don't rest when I should, uh -huh. but um, man, this has been amazing. I'm, I'm really appreciative that we got connected. Likewise. Uh, incredible story. Sounds like we do need about 10 more episodes to hear the whole thing. I need to get some tips on you about my click funnel. Man, if it, you're over there killing it, I need some tips well, from you. I appreciate that. And by the time this episode airs, this won't be a secret anymore. So I'll just say it. I'm actually about to roll out my own funnel building software. So wow. these will these will be my last click funnels awards. But um Well, and now I'm down with the owner. So let me move over to this one. So I'm down with the owner. 
<laughs> and I could be like, Dude, Jeff, I, come yeah, on, man. It'll be Entresoft, software for entrepreneurs. I was wondering why this was working. I mean, it was only a matter of time before they had competition. They're the only game in town right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, and actually there's a marketing message here. Um, what, what gives us, I think the ability, and, and we're not trying to compete with them directly because we aren't right. a SaaS company. We're an education company, but yeah. we're bringing SaaS in behind our education because all of our students need tools. And right now we're sending them all over there. It's like stupid. Right. Um, and, and, and by the way, you know, most people in life, right. When they want to win, they look at those that are already winning in the field that they're in and they just try to emulate what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've done is I would look at the greatest to do it and see what they're doing wrong or what they're missing out on. So the yeah. benefit you have is you can see all of the things that don't integrate to ClickFunnels. Totally. All the things that they don't offer. That and I'll need. say it, I'll say it right out loud. And if Russell's listening, Russell, here's, here's some commentary. You may say, I don't care. That's not the world I'm trying to be in. Right. You can't build traditional websites with top level navigation. You can't do, you can't opt, you know, produce an SEO optimized blog with ClickFunnels. It only builds funnels and it has mediocre uh, message automation, multi-channel automation on the back end, And it doesn't have really any sort of like sales pipeline, CRM, you know, data management tools internally. Mm -hmm. These are things that they may not care, but I looked at it and say, well, I know that I have people that need those things. And you're totally right. You, right. you, your USP becomes what you do different, not what you copy. Right. And I think, you know, look, they do an awesome job at what they do. And if all they care about is this linear, uh, uh path, Funnels, to, yeah. to, to a funnel, which is what's called click funnel. We're a funnel, bro. We don't care about spreading out like that. Then that's great. And you know, they'll keep killing it. And someone like you can come and say, cool, I'm going to make a variation of this that offers all these things that you guys don't care to offer. And we can both live in the same space. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, no, man, this has been great. And, and I suspect we have lots more to talk about, but for now, let me say thank you. Incredible story. Congratulations on all of your successes, the esports. I, you know, yeah, that was my next question is please share with my audience what they can go get from you and where they can go get to know more of you. Great. So uh, I have a new book. It's called How to Win Big in the Music Business. Uh, it's free. You can get it at winbiginmusic.com. This is the book, The Modern Day Guide that will help navigate you to understanding how to dominate and to win big in the music business or any business for that matter. There's just a lot of practical, actionable steps of things that you need to do in order to uh, uh, amplify and build your business, whether it's in music or anything else. Winbiginmusic.com. Get it for free right now. You can follow me at Clinton Sparks, at Clinton Sparks on, on all socials. Uh, and if you want to get more information, ClintonSparks.com. But all the businesses I'm a part of, if you're interested in finding out about gaming or I just put out an op-ed that was just published and all the things that I'm doing, um, all the links are, the links to all of that is in my Instagram bio at, uh, at ClintonSparks. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on here, man. I appreciate it. Congratulations on your success. Super proud of you, all the things that you've done. It's fantastic news that you're launching your own platform that I need to get familiar with. Get familiar. And, uh... And uh, yeah, man, I'm really honored to be a part of this show, man. And maybe you, should, you can, one, show me about your platform. You can also show me some workout tips, but not the ones that are going to make me go to the chiropractor. Yeah, no, I've, I actually have a trainer now that has me working out in a way that is constructive, not destructive. So I, <laughs> I have addressed that. I will say this. I mean, if you're out there as a musician, I spent the first decade of my professional life trying to make it as a musician without a book like Clinton's. I mean, I'm talking flying to LA with a backpack full of CDs that I burned and knocking on A&R doors at 
Island and Arista and Capital and Sony and just get my ass kicked for years. Right. So don't be me. Go get Clinton's book. Well, the, the greatest quote, and we'll, we'll end on this, is Dave Grohl uh, mm. said, you know, nowadays people want success overnight, whether you're an entrepreneur, you had a brand or product, or you're a musician. Uh, people think with the internet and then all these gurus that lie to you and tell you, hey, you want to get rich overnight? You want to be famous overnight? Not true. It's not going to happen. Not gonna, that's a cheat code and it's not going to happen. Um, but Dave Grohl said, um, you, you, you go in your garage and you suck and you practice and you suck and then you jam with your band and then you suck and then you practice some more and you suck and then the next day you're in Nirvana. So, you know, that's how it happens. You know, ten, ten, you know uh, overnight success takes 10 years to happen, but most overnight success doesn't last 10 years if you don't have your business right. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.